You're listening to a Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. Everybody knows that the Catholic Church has it in for the homos. They just don't like us. Despite the fact that, you know, it's generally true that the more homosexuals, the more gay people you meet, uh, the less homophobic you are. And you would think uh, the Catholic Church, having met so many fucking homosexuals over the years in the hierarchy, you know, the Pope, those Protestant slippers, kind of baggy, would be over it already. But they're not. They're not. They're, you know, because they're that kind of closet case. The, the Catholic Church is basically Larry Craig times a million running a church. So they are very sort of demonstrative with their homophobia to deflect attention away from their red Prada slippers. One thing that's interesting, though, about the whole Catholic Church's war on the gays is that most straight people don't know that they also uh, – and it really is a war. You know, We're seeing in Minnesota right now Catholic uh, archbishops sent uh, DVDs to all Catholic parishes in Minnesota attacking gay people and gay marriage and gay families and gay people who are raising children and ordered all these uh, – little parishes to show these videos to the congregation. It's just very disgusting what's going on, what the Catholics are up to. But they also have an agenda for straight people. And the Catholic Bishops of Canada, the Canadian Catholic Bishops Organization, whatever the fuck it's called, sent a pastoral letter. Uh, the Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops sent this letter. And they called on all married couples, not just Catholic couples, all married couples to lead chaste lives. Because when it comes to chastity, you really want to turn to the experts, the Catholics. And they don't mean celibate by chaste. They just mean no anal, no blowjobs, no hand jobs, no masturbation for straight married people. You've got to stick it in her vagina. It has to be open to procreation. Because that sexual act is unitive and procreative. Other sexual acts are not chaste. Though, though pleasure may be present, right, the bishops, some acts are a misuse of sex when they fall short of what God intended. And really, Catholic bishops would be the experts on sex acts that fall short of what God intended. So, you know, the next time you meet a Catholic who is stumping against gay marriage, who's talking about how uh, homosexuality is an intrinsic moral disorder – and if they're married, you should just look them in the eye and say, does your wife suck your dick? Because if your wife sucks your dick, your church has a problem with that. And if you're getting blowjobs, you're a lousy Catholic and you're certainly in no position to tell other people who may not even be Catholic who they can marry and who they can't marry. Your calls after this. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. I have a problem, and hopefully it's not a crazy bitch problem. So I went on a second date with someone this past Saturday, and it's someone who I like. I actually like him. However, at some point in the night, and this is probably after our 
fourth bar. And by the way, I hadn't eaten anything for dinner. Um, I am on the dance floor, and my date had been dancing with me as well. But there were some songs that he claimed he just didn't really like, so he sat back. And I barely remember this happening, but somehow I started making out with some other guy on the dance floor while my date is there, baffled. Now, I probably didn't initiate this, but I also just don't think this is a very big deal. I mean, obviously... I was a little out of control. However, um, my date claimed that then I was trying to go home with this other guy and that we were putting our coats on to leave. I seriously doubt it. I was probably trying to put my coat on to find my other date, my real date, not the person who I started kissing. Now, I would like to be forgiven by this person I went on a second date with, and I would like for him to not think that I'm a crazy bitch. I'm still not sure why I did that on the dance floor, other than maybe it was self-destructive behavior, because I hadn't dated someone that I like in a while, and, um, you know, unfortunately, that's something that I can tend to do is just start kissing someone that I meet at a bar. Um, I know I shouldn't do this in general. Maybe I'm not bipolar, but maybe, you know, you can help try to convince this other guy that I can be forgiven because he won't talk to me anymore. You may not think it was a big deal. I might agree with you. I don't. I might, but I don't. But he thinks it was a big deal. And he has every right to think it was a big deal. It displayed terrible judgment. What people look for when they first start dating someone isn't just hot and isn't just attractive, uh, you know, intellectually, someone they enjoy spending time with. They also are on the lookout for good judgment, good boundaries. Because, you know, if you're going to Forbes, if you're going to date somebody seriously, what you're contemplating is really, you know, mixing your life up with theirs and, 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 living with them and you need somebody if you're going to bring somebody into your life like that you need somebody with good judgment and you display terrible judgment at that bar you display an inability to sort of interpret accurately how your own actions would impact the person you came to the bar with him it doesn't matter whether you initiated or not it just matters that you made out with some stranger on a dance floor in front of a guy you were with uh, at that bar on a date, uh, your second date. Are you a crazy bitch? That's the question. Based on what little I know of you just from this call, I would say yes. That night, maybe not all the time, but certainly that night you were a crazy self-sabotaging bitch. You say you were honestly interested in this guy and then you behaved in such a way in front of him that you can't reasonably expect him to forgive you and, and and for there to be a third date. That's evidence of crazy. The expectation that, you know, he should just laugh this off because you claim it's out of character. He's had two dates with you. On one of them, you ran off into a dance floor and made out with some other guy. 
Now, is this something that, in general, could would be unforgivable under any circumstances? You know what? No. If you had gone on 50 dates with this guy, if you had proven to him in, in many different ways that you were a reasonable, rational, responsible, fun, uh, exciting person to be with – uh, who doesn't typically behave in this way. And then one night you had a little too much to drink. There was no food in your stomach. You could go to him and say, oh, my God, I'm really sorry. That was really out of character. I got carried away. Uh, please forgive me. He may not still and would be completely justified in not still forgiving you. But he'd be likely to forgive you if he sensed that it was out of character. But the sense that he got that night was this was who you are. Kind of a crazy bitch. Kind of a person who would... Go out with a guy, go to a bar with that guy, get a little too hammered and make out with another guy in front of that guy and then expect that first guy to forgive her. That's kind of crazy. I want to get a handle on that. Hi, Dan. Uh, my name is Jake. I'm a heterosexual male from Wisconsin. Um, I'm in a GGG to a T relationship with a girl and we have a great sex life and she just said to me uh, today that she wants to do anal. I've never done that. She's never done that. And I said, I'd like to, but due to this podcast I listen to, I know that that, that can be done wrong. I want to do it right. Joining us by phone uh, on a moment's notice, and we appreciate it, Tristan Taramino, author of The Ultimate Guide to Anal Sex for Women. Thank you for jumping on the line with us, Tristan. Thanks for calling, Dan. So this caller wants advice. He's straight, and he wants advice about doing anal with his girlfriend. And he's calling me, and I thought actually you would be uh, a better expert for him. Well, I think I'm just going to make a few assumptions here, but I think that in general when I talk to straight guys about this, they're pitching it in all the wrong ways. Like I think that the pitch needs to be, I want to do this for you. I want to make you feel good. I want to make you hopefully experience an orgasm like you've never had or, like, this is going to be all about you. We're going to go at your pace. We're going to stop if you want to stop, but you're in charge. That's good I advice. Think, this guy's past yeah, that, though. His girlfriend wants to do it. He, she's oh, already okay. on board. They just okay. don't know how to get started. Right. Well, I think the biggest thing that they need to know is about lube, which I'm sure, you know, you talk about on a daily basis, just like me. So lube, 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 they absolutely need lube. And warm-up. I think that people try to do too much too quickly, and that's where they run into a problem. They try to go so from, 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 from starting gun to butt-fucking in two seconds. Yes, and that doesn't work for anyone, not even the professionals. <laughs> even the professionals have like some warm-up and a nice butt-plug standing by. So I think people just need to be realistic and go really slowly in the beginning. And I think the more time you put in being slow and gentle in the beginning, the more likely you're going to be able to just like rock the house. And so uh, what, what, do, what do you recommend for anal foreplay to, to get rolling? I say, um, I say toys. I mean, I say, I think a, a, a good butt plug goes a really long way. <laughs> it really does. I actually recommend them all the time, too. And I think, particularly for women who are nervous about anal sex, to put a butt plug in and then have vaginal intercourse or just masturbate and actually experience yeah. an orgasm while there's while you're being penetrated anally but without being fucked. 
Right, without the in and out, in and out. Where then you can yeah. associate that sensation of, you know, your ass being full with an orgasm yeah. can be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah, so we're on the same page about the butt plugs. Butt plugs are good. Any other <laughs> advice for these newbies who are just getting started? I mean, I think you, you can never discount the power of the clit. So I say you've got to keep up the clitoral stimulation while you're playing with her butt. So whether that's your hand, her own hand, or a vibrator, for a lot of women, once they have clitoral stimulation, it really transforms the sensations of, of anal penetration. Like some women don't like it at all if there's nothing on their clit. And something a lot of straight people, even people with clits, don't realize is that clitoral tissue spreads very far back into uh, a woman's body. And some of it can be clumped around and near the anal cavity. So if you're yeah, stimulating absolutely. the clit that's exposed, the head of the clitoris and the butt, you can actually be working both ends, both sides of the clit. Yeah, because really the bulb of the clitoris, what's considered the bulb of the clitoris, bumps up against the perineal sponge. So those two things together, you just want to get the whole area kind of, I like to think of it as electrified, like you're turning that whole area on. Thank you so much for joining us, Tristan. Thanks, Dan. Talk to you later. Thanks very much for joining us, Tristan. You can follow Tristan at her blog, puckerup.com, and you should get her book, The Ultimate Guide to Anal Sex for Women, at Amazon and anywhere else. Fine, anal sex for women books are sold. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One audiobook to consider is Jonathan Franzen's Freedom, a novel unabridged, 24 hours and 14 minutes worth of literature. For that free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. That's audiblepodcast.com slash savage. Hey, Dan. I am a straight female from Oklahoma. Um, I kind of have a, a question. Um, me and my husband have been together for about three years now. And basically, we're we're kind of entering off into the... Um, what we're into more or less, and he's really in anal, and and I try really hard, but I just it hurts no matter what we do, no matter what what we use. We use lubes, we use numbing lubes, which I hate because they make it tingly and very un- even more uncomfortable even after. Um, I'm red on like. Kinds of stuff. Um, I've we've tried the you know the vibrators you know beforehand or playing with it beforehand before you know we do it. But no matter what, it hurts really, really, really bad. Even if we try to do it consistently, it hurts. <laughs> I'm just—is it that I just can't do it? I just can't take it. Is it not something that's possible? Because it's something that he's really into. He really finds it hot. And I'd really like to be able to please him. And of course, every area of of our marriage and everything like that, I just can't seem to make this one thing work. All right. I'm going to give you a little bit of advice, uh, but then I'm going to let you off the hook. The anal hook. But first, 
you might want to, and it doesn't sound like you may be doing this. Like I said with Tristan on the call just before, have some orgasms where there's a little bit of anal stimulation going on, but you're not getting ass fucked. So it's really not about his dick being in you. It's about a vibrator, not even a vibrator in you, a vibrator pressed against your asshole while you have vaginal intercourse or while you just, or while he goes down on you, where you can begin to make some associations between clitoral stimulation, between your own orgasms, between him pleasing you and your uh, butt getting a little attention at the same time. And then you very can gradually maybe move in the direction of some anal penetration. That said, don't use numbing lubes ever. You want to be able to feel what's going on down there. Numbing lubes are bullshit and nobody should ever use them ever, ever, ever for anything. They don't help with premature ejaculation. And when it comes to penetration, what they can do very subtly is mask pain that you need to be feeling because if it hurts, you should stop whatever it is you're doing because you don't want to do yourself permanent damage. You don't want to wind up with some horrifying anal fissure that makes it impossible for you to take a shit without screaming in pain for six months. And now I'm going to let you off the anal hook. Not everybody likes everything. And not every sex act works for every individual. You just might have a butt that's designed in such a way that, you know, physiologically put together in such a way or maybe psychologically clamped down on in such a way that anal penetration is never going to work for you. And if after giving it the old college try, that's what you determine and you've made an effort and you've tried and it's not going to work, then he's going to have to try to get over it, to move past it, to stop badgering you about anal and to perhaps grieve the fact that at least within the confines of his marriage, uh, he's not going to be seeing any butt sex. Then perhaps down the line, you guys can have a little conversation about whether you're going to give him a permission slip to get that need met elsewhere if that's something you're comfortable with. But clearly, you may not be comfortable with anal sex. And that's okay. Not everybody has to be into everything. Hey, Dan. A uh, long-time listener. And um, I'm wondering, if I have a casual partner over to my place for a little intimate action and they forget to disclose that they're having heavy menstrual flows and they just and they uh, destroy my flannel white bed sheets. Um, is that my responsibility or theirs? Her menstrual blood proved one thing: that your white flannel bed sheets can be stained which means they can be dyed, which means you can take them and you can put them in a vat with some red dye and make them just your red flannel bedsheets. That's what you should do. You certainly shouldn't call this woman up and say, excuse me, your vagina did this thing that I wasn't aware that vaginas could do. Your vagina got blood on my sheets. Blood came out of your vagina. And I was... I was blindsided by this. I had no idea that this was a potential potentiality that vaginas could do this. You can't say that because that's not true. You, a straight guy, a fan of vaginas, invited a vagina into your bed, fully aware that vaginas sometimes secrete more than just, I'm happy about this sex, vaginal secretion, joy juice. Sometimes blood comes out of them. And women don't always know when their periods are starting. So it's not like she was malicious in any way. 
If you aren't willing to risk the pristine, crisp whiteness of your sheets for a little pussy, your priorities are not in order. And if your reaction to your sheets getting stained are, you know, this desire to ding the lady for them, have sex on the floor. Have sex in the shower. Have sex anywhere but your bed. Have sex someplace you can hose down when you're done. But as the host to some sex play, you are assuming the risks to your physical environment. If you fuck on the kitchen table, you initiate fucking on the kitchen table and your kitchen table collapses, you can't bill them for the furniture repair. If you fuck in the bed and there's a little blood or, God forbid, Santorum, you can't bill that person for it. A little bodily excreta is a known known when it comes to human sexual activity. So dye your sheets. And in future, do like the gays do. Dark sheets. Exclusively dark sheets. Hey, Dan. I'm calling from New York City. I am almost 30, and I'm a homosexual. Uh, So I kind of have this little dilemma going on. I've been living with a straight guy for the last uh, like three and a half years. Um, I was actually living with two straight guys and then decided that that was too much and that I needed to get a two-bedroom, so I took one of them with me. Um, so about this time last year, he's always really sexual and talking about how all these girls suck his dick and, and you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm always like, whatever. Um, and we do drink a lot together. Uh, and get high and all that stupid stuff. But, um, so this time last year, we had gone to this really, like, inspirational play, and, like, he was working on this play. He's, in, he's like, a stage behind-the-scenes kind of guy. And, um, you know, we had this great evening. We were drinking champagne, and we came home, and, and we had wrestled. Um, at, we had wrestled previously. He always likes to wrestle, which is just weird. And um, so this night, it it finally went to the point where I was on the ground and he shoved his bulge in my face. And I was like, listen, if you're going to shove it in my face, I'm going to suck it. And I started, you know, giving him a blowjob. So this went on for about five or six months. And we were, you know, the deal was if we ever done, if we ever had uh, sex or anything with anyone else, that we would tell each other. Well, after six months, I actually went home, did something with an ex-boyfriend, came home, told him. Um, and he had also slept with someone else while I had been away uh, with a girl. Um, so now we're sort of just like this functional friends, blah, blah, blah. What I really want to know is what makes a straight guy fool around with a gay guy? Um, you know, is that normal? Does that happen a lot? What makes a straight guy fool around with a gay guy? Well, a, a long prison sentence, uh, being trapped on a pirate ship, being, you know, in outer space, someplace where there's no women around. Um, I guess there's women in outer space now, but there didn't used to be years ago. And they call that situational homosexuality because the situation is there's no pussy. So you're going to make do with whatever there is. And what there is is some dick or some guy with a dick who's willing to let you use his mouth uh, with your eyes clamped shut while you think of pussy. There's also uh, being bi and having rounded yourself down to straight, 
Uh, because maybe that's you know what you're most comfortable identifying as. Maybe that's the most accurate descriptor because you're only a little bit by and there's only very rarely that you're attracted to a dude and you're one of those rare dudes that this straight identified by guy was into and so this went on and on and on. And you know, even rarer than that is he's a hundred percent straight and you are the sole exception. You are that one dick having human on earth that he could be or ever has been attracted to, and so he decided to go for it. It would be interesting to hear how he self-identifies, how he describes this. If you've been sucking him off for six months, that's one hell of a long blowjob. He stuck his balls in your face and you decided to suck his dick and this has been going on for six months. Man. If you've been sucking him off for six months, it seems to me that every once in a while you might want to pull his dick out of your mouth and say, what's up? What is this thing that we're doing? You're straight. I'm gay. I'm into this. It's fun. It's just kind of crazy. He owes you, you know, six months into a blowjob. He does owe you at least an explanation. And it's not too much to ask. And sometimes people in a situation like yours will become afraid to ask because clearly you're attracted to this dude and you know that anything long-term is an impossibility and maybe asking a question about identity or what's going on here might cause him to pull his pants back on and run screaming from the room because you're asking him to think about things he doesn't want to think about and justify things that perhaps he can't justify. But my friends who've been in a situation similar to yours, that almost never happens. When they call the question, when they say, you know, no long-term expectations or pressures, just like curious about what goes on in your head while your straight dick gets sucked by a fag or you suck my fag dick, which also happens. I'm sure he's thought about it. I'm sure he has some idea uh, of what's going on here for him. And I'm sure he'd be willing to share it with you. If only you'd ask. Hi, Dan. This is James in uh, in New York City. Um, I my problem is, or not problem, but uh, I have a girlfriend. We've been going out for nearly two years. I'm a bisexual, fairly experienced, 24 year old, um, and she's three years younger than me. And uh, I'm her first boyfriend. I'm madly in love with this girl. Um, she's amazing. The sex is good, uh, and getting better every day, um, which is, you know, largely due to the fact that she was a virgin when we started going out. And so there is a, obviously a learning curve and that's great. The, the problem, I guess, is that we've been mostly long distance for the two years and the, that is a frustration, and we don't really know when that long distance is going to end. She's uh, graduating from college this year, but probably won't be moving to New York. And um, she's also had a number of uh, family deaths recently in the past year. Um, I'm not at a point where I want to break up with her now, but I foresee the potential of that probably inevitable breakup because we are so young and all of that. Um, and I'm just wondering, I, I feel like at this point, it's just such a hard time in her life and she feels very alone and I feel often like I'm, if not her only friend, one of her only friends, and I, I really care for her, and I don't want to um, 
hurt her more than is necessary. And I'm just wondering if you have any advice for how to go about ending this, potentially ending this relationship that I'm not sure has a significant future. So, so has anything changed? Um, I'm feeling better about my relationship than I was uh, when I called you. Um, I, it's it's still kind of up and down, and she's still, you know, like a thousand miles away from me at the moment. So it's tough. It, it is tough. I was going to, you know, I have it written down here, so I'm not just playing to where you're at right this minute, because you did sound pretty down on the relationship in the call, but... Uh, you say you're madly in love and the sex is good. And the problem is that it's kind of long distance right now. And I just feel like you should let it be. You should continue to officially be her boyfriend. Uh, because, you know, if you're just in despair about circumstances and you're young, uh, yep. but circumstances can change rapidly when you're young. I think you should express to her that you do find it a little frustrating living so far apart. And you hope that, you know, if there's any future for you guys, any chance for a future, you guys, your trajectories need to be moving to a point that they're going to bring you into the same city. Because you're madly in love, I would say give the relationship some time. Give it the benefit of the doubt. Uh, also weighing that she's in a place where a breakup right now would you know, not be in her best emotional interest. If you weren't in love with her, if the sex was lousy – and if you just – I wouldn't encourage you to remain her boyfriend just to, out of pity because of the circumstances she's in right now. I'm encouraging you to, to, to stay with her because there's a real chance that yeah. this could work out over the long term if you can deal with this frustrating phase right now. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean it's – I, I never encourage right. people who are in a relationship that they want out of with someone that they're not in love with to stay. Be you know just out of sympathy for the circumstances that other person finds themselves in because that's not a relationship that's a hostage situation. This is right. a relationship. You love her. I do. And so maybe you guys need to tough out this stage. Is there any hope that she's moving to New York or wherever it is you are? Or you I can mean, move to where she I is. Mean the, yeah. The the problem is there's a hope of that. It's but it's more of a long term hope than an immediate hope. Because define, money circumstances are such that define she, long term. Uh, what define long term? Uh, like another potentially year and a half. That ain't so long term. Yeah, that's eighteen I months. I, I guess because I'm young, that feels like a, a long time. Especially since we've you know for most of the past two years that we've been together has been long distance madly in love sex is awesome those aren't things you throw away because there's going to be a tough 18 (laughs) months madly in love sex is awesome that's stuff that people tough out through eight years of medical school and being apart don't walk away don't 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 make the mistake of 24 of exaggerating the amount of time 18 months is but also don't make the mistake of 24 of youth and inexperience in presuming that madly in love and sex is awesome is something you're going to find on every street corner. Right. No, that makes sense. Go see her. If you have a little cash saved up, fly her out to you every once in a while, hang out. 
and and fight for it. Madly in love, sex is awesome. I wish that was a problem that most of the people who called me had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Thanks a lot, Dan. Sure thing. Good luck. Hey, Dan. This is Alan calling from Syracuse, New York, and um, I'm calling with a uh, I don't know a question that uh, my husband and I have been going back and forth on. Uh, my husband and I adopted a child from a teenager, actually from the foster care system. Uh, our son was uh, 15 when we met him when we when we moved when he moved into our house as a foster kid, 16 when we adopted him. He's now 23, living on his own, uh, and he has recently told us that he wants to get a vasectomy because he does not want to be a father, have children. Uh, I respect his, first of all, I respect my son's ability to make decisions for himself. I respect uh, his desire to be responsible. And I respect that right now he's concerned that he might turn out to be the kind of parent that got him placed into the foster care system in the first place. Um, I also respect the fact that that may change and that, um, you know, that, that he's a little young to be making this decision because his, um, his, Thoughts about children may change, particularly may change if he gets into a relationship with a woman who wants children. I'm also worried about the fact that he will believe that a vasectomy means that he does not have to practice safer sex because he's not going to get anybody pregnant. And, uh, you know, I still worry that there are other diseases that he can um, catch and spread. Um, so I, I'm just looking for some advice. First of all, you know, what do you think about 23-year-olds making decisions uh, like um, having vasectomies? And uh, some things that I might want to explore with my son as he makes this very important and potentially permanent decision about his life. Your son's an adult, uh, and good on you guys for adopting out of foster care and adopting an older child. Uh, got your place in heaven reserved for you. Your son's an adult, though, and he can make an adult decision uh, about getting a vasectomy. And it's not a completely irrational decision. My brother, who knew very early in life that he didn't want children, got a vasectomy uh, at a very early age. I'm not sure if he was as young as your son is now, but at a very early age. And and my mother had her angst about it, and and you know, she would wring her hands and talk to him about whether he was sure, and he was sure. And now he's you know almost fifty, and he does not regret the decision that he made. And your son may not either. The only thing that I'm concerned about, and I would bring up with him, and you know, if it's something that you and your partner can afford, I would offer to pop for, you know, half a dozen sessions with a therapist counselor just to talk about this one thing not to go into therapy because there's anything wrong with him just to like hash it out with an impartial adult who isn't or wasn't hoping for grandchildren necessarily you know a counselor that he thinks that in part he wants to get this vasectomy because he doesn't want to be the kind of parent that his biological parents were the kind of parents that got him into you know into the foster care system ultimately uh, and to you guys in the end he doesn't have to be that kind of parent. Uh, there's nothing about landing in the foster care system that condemns you uh, to being the same kind of neglectful or absentee or abusive parent whose kids 
then wind up in the foster care system. He may need to be reassured about that uh, by someone who is a disinterested third party. So perhaps six or seven, you know, a half dozen sessions of the counselor could help him see that. That said, you know, irrespective of how he came into the world or how he came to be your son, he may still never want to have kids. And the vasectomy is a completely rational decision. And when it comes to safety and safe sex, yeah, he should have safe sex. Straight people primarily need to worry about the original sexually transmitted infection, feti. And if he gets a vasectomy, he can play a little faster and looser with the, the, the safe sex. It's really birth control that straight people, by and large, need to concern themselves with. And most, you know, using condoms is a very good birth control method. It also provides some protection for sexually transmitted infections. You should encourage him to use condoms with people that he's, you know, not in a monogamous lasting relationship with, whose health statuses he isn't sure of. But if he's, you know, dating a girl for three or four months or longer and his vasectomy, if he should ultimately get it, is their birth control method. That's not an irrational degree of risk for him to take on his own shoulders as a young adult. Hi, Dan. But I have a suggestion for the lesbian woman on episode 222A who said she flirted with a date rapey guy too much and was asking what that means about her sexuality. And I'm wondering if maybe she wasn't flirting with him but flirting with disaster. Maybe she was just looking for drama, but without really fully thinking ahead what that drama might be. And when she said that her friends refused to blame her for the sexual assault, she almost sounded disappointed in them. So maybe when she could get sufficient drama out of the incident, then she needed to bring up the, well, maybe I'm bisexual. I don't think that she should... Um, put it on her friends to keep her in check when she goes to parties to make sure she doesn't act out. She just needs to explore safer ways to get attention. Hi, Dan. This is a comment for the woman in podcast 223 who called in asking you for advice on how she can get her boyfriend to kiss her the way that she likes to be kissed, as you put it, rather than dog-licking her face or whatever it was that she didn't like. Um, I think that the advice you gave was great, that, you know, there are nice ways of sort of telling someone what it is you like without shattering them and making them feel horrible. But at the same time, I just want to say that, in my experience at least, kissing can be, like, should be the best thing ever. And, like, you know, at least anything as a, something that leads up to other things or as something in and of itself. And I guess all I want to say is that if uh, if someone isn't kissing you the way you want to be kissed, I feel like sometimes it's fun just to practice kissing with them, if that makes any sense. So, like, spend an afternoon just kissing and, like, having an agreement. Like, all we're going to do is kiss. And it can be really fun. And inevitably, you don't only kiss after a while, but if you can keep it up for at least a while, it's, like, a really positive exercise because, you know, you can do things like follow one another, which I think is really key to good kissing, right? You have to, like, pay attention to what the other person is doing to take your cues and... In my experience, that makes the best kissing and make-out sessions. And so I would advise her to suggest something like that with her boyfriend just so they can explore kissing uh, in and of itself. Hey, Dan. I am a long-time listener, but I had to make my first call in response to your February 1st podcast to ask parents uh, who called in, the kinds of parents who called in, please do not bring your children to Burning Man. Please do not bring your children to the Folsom Street Fair. These are safe spaces for adults. 
You know, they talk a lot about safe spaces for kids. These are places that adults can go and sort of be free of social mores and societal rules. And a lot of us have hang-ups about kids. You know, the fact that we might be into fisting or piss drinking or, you know, whatever else doesn't mean that we don't think that children should sort of be protected and, and we're not judging you as parents, but it takes us out of that safe space. It makes it feel less safe for us and we have to start thinking about our own sort of hang-ups about kids and our own social mores. When we go to these events, we want to be adults. And I would ask you to please let us be adults and not have to worry about minding your children. So, I mean, while we're at it, let's talk about casino floors and porno festivals and any place where, you know, adults go to be adults. Pride is different. Pride is about celebrating everyone in our community and all different walks of life. And, and I would invite your kids to come and bring your kids and have the stroller and deck it out in rainbows and clap and applaud at everybody who goes by. But when it comes to these safe spaces for adults, please just be respectful. Don't be rude. Don't impose your morals as parents on the rest of us. Leave them at home. And we're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question for a future show, give us a buzz. Speaking of questions, I answer a Savage Love letter of the day every day that goes out to folks who have the Savage Love app, which you can get for iPhones or Androids. You might want to pick that up. 206-201-2720. That's the number. Give us a call. Me and the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth. We'll be back at you next week. Another installment of Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading.